Um, I gave this sermon at our Murchie FCA, I don't know, Katie, like a month ago-ish, give or take. Um, and then last week I spoke this same sermon at, um, spoke this sermon, I gave this sermon at Berry College's BCM last week. And both times I had students come up to me and just kind of tell me it was really helpful uh, and that they needed to hear it. And um, I'm not fishing for a response. Like, I'm not going to stand up here waiting for someone to come up afterwards. Um, but I will say that, that I do hope that this is helpful. Uh, and I especially hope um, that if it isn't helpful yet, that it will be. Um, and we're, we'll talk a little bit about um, Jesus tonight and tell you guys a little bit about my story and just kind of what's brought me here. Um, so I hope it, I hope it's helpful. Uh, let's look at Mark chapter one. It should be up on the, on the screen here. Mark chapter one, verses 32 to 39. So I'm going to read a little bit and then we'll break it down. We're good to go. Yes, Warren, you're on it. Mark chapter one, 32 to 39. Here we go. When evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to Jesus all who were sick and those who were demon possessed and the whole city gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons because he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for Jesus. They found him and said to him, Lord, everyone is looking for you. Verse 38, Jesus said to them, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there, for that is why I came. 39. And Jesus went into their synagogues all throughout Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. So to kind of summarize what's happening here, Jesus is healing diseases. He is casting out demons. He is working all these miracles. Um, this is kind of, this is Peter's mother-in-law's house. This is probably, we think, uh, probably Jesus' kind of home base. Like, this is where he would come back to, kind of his headquarters during his ministry. Um, and he is, he is bringing out people with demon possessions. He is healing people of diseases, big and small. Um, and then, in verse 39, look back at 39, excuse me, 38. Then he said to his disciples, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby. So they all, he heals them all that night. As soon as night falls, that means the Sabbath is over, so Jesus can start healing again. That was their law, so he's healing all these people, he's casting out demons, he's doing all these things. And then the next morning, they want more of the same. Heal more of our people. You healed my granddad yesterday, heal my grandma today. You healed this yesterday, heal this today. Bring this demon out today. You did this yesterday, bring this demon out today. And he leaves and I know we may be on like different pages spiritually in here, like some of you are on some different spots than I am spiritually, but can we all at least agree that having a demon possession is a bad thing? Like this is a rough, like you don't hear people debating like, well, I don't know. Like it's obvious having a demon possession is a big deal. This is a bad thing to happen to somebody. Um, having a disease, being sick thousands of years ago, where there are no painkillers, there is no medicine, there is no store for you to go get your food, right? You have to work for your food. You have to work for where you live. But if you have a disease, you can't work. You can't travel. So a disease or a demon possession would be a massive problem. Those two things would be the biggest problem in your life according to the world and according to your own heart. And, and I don't blame you. Because these are bad things, right? These are bad things, right? Okay? 
all bad things. And, but we just kind of breeze through this fact that Jesus left them in these things. There's more people with demon possession, more people who, who are sick and diseased, who need Jesus' help, and He says, let's go somewhere else. But let me ask you something so that we don't skip over this, so that this matters to you and that you can put yourself in their shoes and feel this. What's the biggest problem in your life right now? What's the worst thing that's happening to you? Is it some form of abuse? Is it a breakup? Is it a general, maybe you're okay, but it's this general feeling of sadness that's just not going away? Or maybe you're doing okay. Maybe you're doing fine right now. But whether you're doing fine or not, the day will come when you have a big problem, when something goes wrong. And I know it's like, Ryan, I'm in sixth grade. Like, what are, you, what are we doing? With, we played tic-tac-toe like 30 minutes. Like, what are you doing? I wish that someone had talked to me about this when I was in youth. I wish that someone had, because by the time you get upper high school, you've made your decisions. You know where you stand with physical stuff. You know where you stand with alcohol. You know where you stand politically. You know where you stand on homosexuality. You know where you stand on things. And it takes a lot of work to pry that into something different. And I want to talk to you about suffering now. Some of you are half my age and you've already been through more life than people twice my age. But we've all got problems and someday you'll have a bad one. And there will be days during that problem, there will be months. Listen, look at me, look at me, look at me. Stop looking at everything else but me. There will be months, extended seasons during this problem that you have where it feels like this. You've heard your whole life from people like me. Go run to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He'll heal you. He'll fix it. He'll help. And there will be days where He does immediately. Where it's fixed. Where the family dynamic is fixed immediately. Where the disease is healed immediately. Where the problem is fixed immediately. But there will be other days where it feels like this story. Months where it feels like this story. Where Simon knows about your problem. And he knows Jesus, and he goes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, so-and-so is going through this awful thing. Let's fix it. Let's help them. And Jesus Christ will look you in the face and say, no, not right now. Let's go somewhere else. Why would he do this? They're suffering. Charles Spurgeon talks about how there, you know, there were no hospitals. These people were in the streets being brought to Christ. They're suffering. Why, why would he leave? In college, uh, well, let me back up. Sorry. Um, next semester, after we handle the big issue and after middle school goes through talking about family, we're going to do a brief series that I'm really excited about called Stories where I'm not going to really preach much. We're going to be together, and it's going to be members of our church, young, old, in between, and it's just going to be their story of God's faithfulness in their lives. Um, some buddies of mine are going to come back and some things like that, and you'll be able to hear um, some of them speak, some old teachers of mine, my friend Josh Tolman who came back, um, some older students as well, some older members of our church will come, and they're just going to share their story about God's faithfulness. And one of those people, unfortunately, will be me. Sorry. Um, but, so let me give you a little bit of, of just kind of how I got here and, and, and what has happened in my life. Um, 
I didn't date a girl for longer than two months in college. Um, and then junior year, I met a girl and fell in love for the first time. And I, like I said, didn't date a girl for longer than two, two months. And then uh, she and I dated for two and a half years. Um, and the way this works is, so she was of a different religion than I was. I was not a Christian at the time. Like, I went to church, like a lot of you guys. I, I went to church, I did the deal, grew up in church, dad was a deacon, mom sang in the choir, I was super good in Sunday school. Fun fact, and this is for free, in Sunday school, you know how the teachers a lot of times are like, what do you guys think? And this is the response. And nobody says anything. All you have to do in Sunday school to get ahead is be the one kid to answer the question. You don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to believe in anything. If you'll just answer the question, the teacher will be like, that's my guy right there. That's my, that is all, this kid gets it. Wow, leadership team. Wow, he's all, all you got to do is answer. Like, first of all, just call on people. I don't get what, like, in college, I just call on them, and they have to answer. But that's the key, and I was better at it than anybody in Sunday school. I could answer all the questions, did a great job, it was great. Could have given a rip about God, but every, every Sunday school was like, he gets it, he gets it, he gets it, he gets it. Get into college, was not a Christian, could give a rip, did not care, met this girl, fell in love, um, she was a different religion. And I didn't care because we were dating. And dating was my God. And I know I just tripped it with like half of you in here. Uh, I had to find my person. That was it. I had to find my... You know the person that you know where like they get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they just disappear off the face of the earth? That was... I did that. Because I found my person and I loved this person. But over time, I began to see more and more that this other religion was so wrong. And when you, when you, you'll see, when you get to college, and if you get in a serious relationship, it's very hard, almost irresponsible, not to think about marriage. You know? Because that's next. And so, and if you get married, Lord willing, at some point, you may very well have kids of your own. And I remember this whole time thinking, if I don't believe this, and we get married and I have children, how am I going to get, how can I trust my kids to believe something that I don't believe in? And the tough thing was that she didn't care that we were two religions. I was the only one who cared about that. She thought it was okay. And two years of love boiled down into a period of about two months where we had to pull ourselves away from each other. And it was awful. There are people in this world that I do not like, just don't like. But I would not wish this pain on anyone. And I remember, I remember after, it was right as I got out of school that we broke up for good, and, and, we just, and, and after two years, and we just stopped talking. And I remember weeping myself to sleep at night. And I would wake up and nothing had changed. And it was horrible. And I remember walking through the park or going through the mall just to get out of my own head, being so distraught, and begging God to help me, just like the pastor had always said, to heal the situation, to open her eyes so that we could be together, and nothing happened. 
It was as if Jesus knew my problem and he said, not now. Let's go somewhere else. Why would he do that? Why would he do that in your life? Why would he leave you in this? The next story tells us. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 40. Mark chapter 1 verse 40. And a leper, a man with leprosy, not the animal, a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on, bef- on his knees before Jesus, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Okay, this man has leprosy. Again, leprosy, huge problem, right? We can all be on the same page. This is a big deal. Leprosy is this disease where your skin kind of rots itself from the inside out, right? This is a big problem, okay? He, the man has leprosy. And he goes to Jesus and he it says, begging and falling on his knees. I wonder how many of you are there right now. In your head, in your heart, with Christ. Begging on your knees, please fix this. This man goes to Jesus desperately begging for him to fix something. Has, is, have you done this? Middle school, high school, Mary was 13, so you don't get a pass because you're young. Have you done this? Have you been there with Jesus? And I think a lot of you probably have. Because it's what you've been taught. To run to him. And that's good. You should do that. Keep doing that. That's where this man is. Verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. The first thing to take away from from what's going on right here is that Jesus cares about your situation. He cares. It says, moved with compassion. This is the same word in Luke 15, 20 during the prodigal son where the father runs towards the younger brother. Same word. This is exactly what Jesus is feeling when the man with leprosy asks him to heal him. He hears your prayers. He knows your pain. I promise He does. He cares. And I know the immediate kickback is, I don't see it. I don't feel that. Nothing is getting better. What do you mean he cares? Nothing is getting better. Don't, and, and this, is, this is something that you're, I'm going to say it, and you're going to hear it, and maybe through the Holy Spirit it will work now, but as you, as you work in this, this is how this grows. That's what people don't get about the Bible. So often with the Bible, you've got to work through this stuff. It doesn't just click. Listen to me. It's not getting better. I don't see it. I don't feel this. What do you mean he cares about me? Don't look to your circumstances. Look to what the Bible says. Don't look to your circumstances. Look to what the Bible says. It's this idea of Take your feelings, I'm angry, I don't like this, this isn't getting better. Take your circumstances, they're still fighting, I'm still heartbroken, I'm still addicted, I'm still frustrated, I'm still kind of a jerk, I'm still all these things. Take your pain to Him and say, this is where I am. 
This is what I'm feeling. But your word says that you care about me. And I trust your word. Take your feelings, take your circumstances, they're still there, and put them under this. This is how I'm feeling. This is, how I'm, this is what I'm going through. This is not getting better. But this says you love me. So you love me. Regardless of what I think, this says you love me. Satan says he hasn't fixed it. Things are getting worse. You prayed to him and things got worse. What are you doing? But the Bible says he cares about you. Let God's Word outweigh your feelings and circumstances. And healing will begin. Let God's Word outweigh your feelings and circumstances. And healing will begin. This will not happen if you touch this book once a month. It won't happen. You're like the lady that's like, I want to return this treadmill. Well, did you get on it? No. Well, what do you think? Nothing's going to happen. God's word isn't as strong as my feelings. Okay? What do you spend all day doing? Watching TV and looking at social media and thinking about how awful my feelings are. Well, yeah. You have to spend time with this to let it outweigh. This isn't just going to click. You have to spend time in His Word, and His Word will outweigh your feelings. It will outweigh your circumstances. Feelings are important. Circumstances are important. This is even more so. Let God's Word outweigh your feelings and circumstances. Look back at verse 41. Look at what Jesus does. This is where, uh, put this in your life. 41, move with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man with leprosy and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Fun fact, you don't get leprosy through touch. But you didn't know that. You don't get leprosy through touch. But these people didn't know that and they probably didn't even care. People with leprosy were totally cut off, totally isolated from everyone else. Jesus touching this man is the first human contact he's had since he was diagnosed. Can you imagine the crushing weight of not only being diagnosed with leprosy, but as soon as you're diagnosed with leprosy, you know the implications of that. You know what that means. No human contact for the rest of your life. For so many of us, what's the biggest problem in your life? For so many of us, our, our problems isolate us, don't they? Because no one else understands what you're going through, your own experience. And listen, some of that's true. I think teenagers get a bad rep of like, they think nobody understands them. Well, part of that's because they don't. No one's going to understand what you're going through from your own person. Now, they can help, but they don't, they'll never be able to sit in the seat like you are. And in that way, your problem does isolate you. You got friends, I mean, like, think about it at school. You got friends who are worried about the test tomorrow. And you're like, if you only knew what I had to deal with when I got home, that's what you're worried about? And if you only knew what I had to deal with when I got home, you are alone in your pain. This man was so alone 
And Jesus, so alone in your pain, this man was so alone, and Jesus reaches in. He makes immediate, direct contact with leprosy. Listen, he makes immediate, direct contact with the biggest problem of this man's life. That's what Christ does. He takes the biggest problem, what's the biggest problem in your life? And Christ himself, not me, not your parents, not whoever, Christ himself reaches into that problem, makes direct contact with it, and begins to heal. Jesus Christ is not just this guy that you meet at the end of the aisle on Sunday. He reaches into your life and changes you. Let's say something about that. He's not afraid of controversy. This would have been con- You're not supposed to touch someone with leprosy. He's not afraid of looking bad socially as long as he's able to heal you. He cares about healing you more than he cares about anything else which means that some of his healing in your life will make you very uncomfortable i don't think we talk about this we think healing is like magic but jesus's healing in your life will make you uncomfortable sometimes this man was probably extremely freaked out that jesus healed him talk to me about this look look, look. you're not allowed to touch people with leprosy can you can you just see this guy looking at jesus saying Lord Jesus, heal me. No, 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 not that way, not that way. And he touches him. This will happen in your life. This will happen in your life if Jesus moves in mercy to heal you. You'll say, Christ, heal me. Make this better. No, 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 not that way. That's not what I want. This will happen in your life. I didn't ask you to heal me this way. I just want you to heal me. But Christ works far deeper than you could ever see. Jesus touching this man, and we'll we'll see why in a minute. But Jesus will reach in and change you. Some of his healing in your life will make you uncomfortable. I'm catching up with my notes, sorry. This man was probably very freaked out when Christ touched him. You're heal- Jesus healing you, you ready? Jesus healing you may cause you to look weird in front of other people. It may make you the topic of everyone's conversation. This man had leprosy on Monday and on Tuesday he didn't. People will talk about that. People are going to talk about him. He will be the subject of conversation. For some of us, that's our nightmare. Is it not? Myself included? For everyone to know what's going on in your deal. But what if that's part of Jesus working in your life? What if that's part of Jesus reaching in to... Think about this. Leprosy, please heal me. I've got to touch you. Don't do that. I don't want that. Everyone's going to be looking at you now that you're... I don't want that either. This is part of me healing you. This is the deeper grace of me healing you. What if this was Jesus working in your life? This man was healed of leprosy. It was controversial. Not everybody understood what was going on. It definitely broke social rules. Everyone was talking about it. And that was Jesus healing. I'm saying this to you. When you pray for the Lord Jesus to heal you, understand you are, being, you are asking Him to bring you into a story far deeper and better than you could ever imagine. I'm not saying don't ask Him to heal you. Watch out! I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying He's going to pull you into something far deeper than you think. Far bigger than you could possibly imagine. 
And it's Jesus healing, exposing your heart. Now, let's get to the crux of the matter. Let's get to the real deal. Verse 42 through 45. So Jesus heals the man. Here we go. 42 through 45. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus stern, follow this, don't check out. Jesus sternly warned him, saying, and when I find it, there you go. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing for what Moses has commanded. Verse 45. But the man went out anyway and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to everyone to such an extent that Jesus could no longer enter a city. But he stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. Jesus immediately heals the man and he warns him, don't tell anybody. If you tell everybody, they won't get it. They'll think I'm just here to heal them and they won't listen to me when I'm trying to talk to them. Don't tell people about this. They won't get to know me. They're just going to ask me to fix everything. And this man blatantly, blatantly ignores him. Immediately. He blatantly ignores the man who healed the deepest problem in his life. What's the biggest problem in your life? Why did Jesus leave that last town full of so many people who needed healing? Why doesn't Jesus immediately reach down and fix your problem? For the same reason that this man ignored Jesus when he had just healed him. Mark is showing us changing a person's situation does not guarantee that you have changed their heart. Changing a person's situation does not guarantee that you have changed their heart. Let me ask you a question. Rhetorical, please. When was the last time you prayed? I've been in church my whole life. Sunday school all-star team, my whole life. I have like 15 Bibles, and they all have like my name, right, in the corner or whatever, my full name, in case I forget, I guess, in the corner. And I said things to God while I was growing up, but I never needed Him until I was 22 and heartbroken and nothing was getting better. I prayed for the first time in my life at 22, and I needed him, man. And I felt this pull. It was nothing magic, nothing like that. I felt this pull to start reading my Bible. I had never sat and, like, read, you know what I'm saying? My Bible. And over the next few months, each night became about reading my Bible and learning about this God that I had been around my whole life, but I had never really known him. While this was happening, a friend of mine had shared the gospel with me two years earlier. Your pastor had the gospel shared with him and could have given a rip. Did not believe it. Was super polite because we're from the South and that's what we do. Like, was very nice when Bill asked me about the gospel and talked to me about Jesus. And he gave me, at the end of this, this was two years before this horrible breakup and all this terrible stuff. Two years before, could have given a rip, didn't care. He gave me this book, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. He just left with me, and I was like, oh, a book, thank you, awesome. Didn't touch it. Put it on my shelf next to wherever I kept all my other junk. Didn't touch it for two years. Let me say something to you. If you're talking to your friends about the gospel, don't stop. You have no idea. Two years went by, and I didn't touch this until what Bill had done finally started to bear fruit in my life. Don't stop. Just because it's not taken now doesn't mean it won't take later. 
So I opened this book called, I have this book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. My little brother Russell has been a Christian for much longer than I have. He's much more fun to hang out with than I am as well, neither here nor there. But that one of those mornings while I have the book, I'm not looking at it, but I'm reading my Bible, and Russell's listening to a sermon by Francis Chan from the Passion Conference. Whoop, whoop. Um, listening to the sermon by Francis Chan, and I'm like, man, this is good. I, I think I have his book. And so it began to be this process of I'd read my Bible for like an hour at night, and then I'd read Crazy Love for an hour. And over the course of about three weeks, oh my gosh, I remember, like, I just remember it. In the middle of reading this book, uh, it was like midnight or 1 a.m., everything changed. At, at all at once, this light just came on in my life. And I knew that he was real. My whole life I've been in church, I've never known that he was real. So many of you have been in church for so long. Look at me. Do you know that he's real? Do you know that he's real? And in the middle of all this pain that wasn't getting better, my heart changed. Things were still hard. I wasn't like high-fiving people on the road after that. But I was different. And I want to leave you with two things. And first of all, please notice, remember, with leprosy, you're totally isolated. You can't go into cities. After Jesus touches this man, what happens? The man can go anywhere he wants. It's Christ who now can't go into cities. Jesus has swapped places with this man. He's taken his punishment, he's taken his curse, he's taken his, his isolation and put it all on himself. He knows what it's like to be alone. He knows what it's like to trade places. He has not abandoned you. Two things. If you're going through something awful, please get help. Not just, well, Ryan, I, I messaged my friends on Instagram about it, so I have my support group. No, you foolish millennial, or generation whatever you are, don't be dumb. Talk to a person with your mouth, and please get help in what's going on in your life. Don't just tell someone to tell someone either. It's okay to start there, but it won't get better until you get the help that you need. Don't treat telling people like morphine. Morphine dulls your pain, but it is not medicine. Do you feel me? Get the help that you need. And number two, if you have a problem that isn't getting better, or if one day you have a problem that isn't getting better, number one, I will be here. We will all be here. But also, if you have a problem that isn't getting better and Jesus isn't stepping in to heal it, I promise you, hand on the Bible, He's doing to you what happened here. Just like He did with me. He's not changing your circumstances because He's working on your heart. He's leaving you in it to expose your heart so that He can work on it. We talked about this last week. Heart surgeon can't do, he can't just like, well, let's see how it goes. He can't, he has to open up your heart. He has to expose your heart so that he can work on it. That's what suffering does. It exposes our heart so that Jesus can work on it. That's what's happening here. Spend time in Mark chapter 1. Spend time learning and seeing this for yourself. 